If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. The Christmas hymn appointed for the first Sunday after Christmas, let all together praise our God. The joy and the festiveness of Christmas cannot be isolated to one celebration or even two. A short Christmas season has begun this coming Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas, and Jesus is presented in the temple. In Luke chapter 2, we hear the famous song of Simeon, the Nunc Dimittis. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., coming to you from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Then we'll conclude today's show studying the Christmas hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, with Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. A joy to be with you. We know about Christmas, but what are we celebrating the first Sunday after Christmas? Great question. Let's actually get at this by the uh, the newspaper questions. So on Christmas Eve, we basically celebrate what happened, the events of Christmas Eve, especially as they're unpacked for us in the second chapter of Luke's gospel. Then come Christmas Day itself, the big joy of the divine service is celebrating the who, who is answered for us by John chapter one. It is the eternal word, the eternal son of the father, who is made flesh for us. And that's the big burden and joy of that service. But when we get to this particular Sunday, the Sunday after Christmas, we come to the big question, why? Why was the baby born in Bethlehem? Why did the word become flesh? Why did all of this stuff happen? And the answer that this day celebrates is really shocking. The early fathers, they put it like this. They said, Cordeus homo, why did God become a man? Their answer was, so that men could become God. Now, that's not Mormonism. That is shorthand for saying it like this. The Son of God became a child of man in order to make the children of men into the sons of God. Jesus comes, and he who is by nature, the Son of God, makes those who are not by nature the sons of God, sons of God by grace, by the grace of adoption, as we'll hear in the second reading for today. So the big thing is why. Why did he come? He came 
to bring us into the family of God. The first of the propers here, the intro, it is drawn from certain verses of Psalm 93. How does it read? Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, and so on. This beautiful intro, it then, you have to set it over against looking at the child in the manger. You're looking at the Lord Jesus and you're proclaiming this of him. Your decrees are very trustworthy and holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Your throne, it's been established from of old. You, you, this child born of Mary, you are from everlasting. This is exactly what we read in Micah chapter five, that the one who is born in Bethlehem is from everlasting days, from of old. So the intro, it sort of sets that out as the theme for us today. The child is reigning. The one who comes among us as this little babe of Bethlehem, he comes to actually rule and reign over all things forever. He has an eternal dominion eternally with his father, and he brings that dominion into human flesh and blood. I want to guard against the notion that's sometimes very popular among us Lutherans that we're presented here with the paradox because I don't think the incarnation and the fact that that child is simultaneously in the arms of the Virgin and reigning at the right hand of the Father, reigning over the universe, the king of all things, is a paradox. I think it's the way things really are. Yeah, yeah. We I, just don't see it. Yeah. Absolutely. It is the case that the Son of God has this eternal majesty and glory that is, he never abandons that even as he takes into himself human flesh and blood. That's why the, the creed is very careful, the, the Athanasian creed is very careful to use the word. He assumes this humanity into the unity of his Godhead, right? He assumes it into, into union with him, but he himself never changes. The eternal word is still the eternal word governing all things, the one through whom all things were made. But he does truly receive a human nature in that moment from the Virgin Mary. How does the collect for the first Sunday after Christmas read? Well, I want to talk a little bit about the collects because we're going to deal with more than one. The one that is present in LSB is, I think, a creation of the 20th century. It reads like this, O God, our maker and redeemer, you wonderfully created us and in the incarnation of your son, yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. I think that was an adaptation from the collect that was originally composed for Lutheran Book of Worship. It sort of runs along the same line, but it more closely mirrored that central thought of the day that he has come to share his divinity with us. He's come to give us a participation in his Godhead. The historic collect for the day, it runs like this. 
Almighty and everlasting God, direct our actions according to your good pleasure, that in the name of your beloved Son, we may be made to abound in good works. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, which doesn't have a very Christmassy sound to it, but is a beautiful petition that our lives would be filled with the fruit of good works, which come from being united through Jesus Christ to the Blessed Trinity. A big thank you to uh, Pastor Scammon for actually tracing that down for me yesterday. That is from the Galatian Sacramentary, and it is the one that is used in most of the uh, Lutheran orders of the 16th uh, century. We start into the readings for the day with Isaiah chapter 11. There's also the possibility of doing 2 Samuel 7. Let's start with Isaiah. Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So this beautiful prophecy from Isaiah pictures a time when the royal house has been chopped down. Judah itself has been chopped down, right? Isaiah sees the destruction of Judah coming. And with the elimination of the royal family, the royal seed, if you will, goes underground for many, many centuries. And then out of this stump that looks like it's just dead, he sees this shoot coming up and it's going to bear fruit. And this is a description then that Jeremiah will pick up and make big hay over with the term, the branch, the branch whom God will send. And this branch from the roots of Jesse is going to be marked by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this passage, by the way, especially as it's given to us in the Septuagint and in the Vulgate, is where you get all the references to the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of, here are the things, wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and godliness shall fill him, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. So there are the list of at least seven gifts there in the Greek, the old Septuagint version, or in the Vulgate, the Latin. The Hebrew does not have the spirit of godliness shall fill him. So that's the, the one extra. Hebrew only has six things listed there. But Jesus is the fulfillment of this, obviously. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he judges truly. He's not—you know how, how appearances can be deceiving. Well, there's no deceiving the Messiah when he comes in human flesh and blood, when he renders his judgment. It's going to be a just verdict because he is going to see things as they really are, and he is going to decide for the poor of the earth, and he is going to actually strike the earth— but with this strange expression, with the rod of his mouth, he's going to rule by the word. He's going to speak a word, and that word will have power in it to actually, it says, kill the wicked. Think of it as kill wickedness inside of us. That's what his word will be powerful to do by the power of his spirit. 
and he will then be uh, garbed and ready to uh, go to war for the sake of the kingdom. That is what Jesus does, using his word as this almighty instrument to accomplish the driving out of evil and the implanting of all things that are good and holy. We are looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the first Sunday after Christmas. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest. We'll get to the alternate Old Testament reading next. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Sanctifying your exercise routine with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713-855-2681. Welcome back on this Thursday, December the 28th. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. Will, what is this encounter between King David and the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 60 doing as the alternate reading for the first Sunday after Christmas? The alternate reading for the day for the Old Testament reading is about David's plan to make a house for God and how God instead turns the tables on him and says, you know, I'm going to make you a house and it's going to be a great one. So here's the passage. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go 
Do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Wow. That is such a shocking passage. God promises to David, I'm going to give you a son, and that son is going to establish an everlasting kingdom. He'll build a house for my name. People always tend to conflate that right away with um, with King Solomon and building the house for the name of the Lord there. He was the great builder of Israel's earthly temple. But clearly, this means something more. Solomon did not establish a kingdom which goes on forever. Jesus establishes a kingdom which never ends. Jesus, in fact, builds the temple that is the church, which endures unto the ages of ages. And he is the one that is the fulfillment of this promise to David. So it's a very fitting passage to read on the first Sunday of Christmas as we look at God became man in order that men might become divine. He came that he might inhabit us with his very own Holy Spirit, that he might fill us, that we might be the temple of the Lord. Just as he tabernacled in the flesh, as we heard on Christmas Day, so he comes to tabernacle in us to make us be the temple of God. It's a beautiful promise. What is the gradual for this coming Sunday? The gradual is from that love song that the church sings to her bridegroom from Psalm 45. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured on your lips. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. So right away, the church confesses of that, you know, you're looking at the babe in the manger again, and you're saying, you are the most beautiful of the sons of men. Isaiah says he had no beauty that we should desire him. And yet we say you're the most beautiful of the sons of men in the psalm because of the next line. Grace is poured upon your lips. Out of the mouth of Jesus comes the things that make him be the most beautiful person that ever lived. He speaks these beautiful words of God to us. And because of this, the church delights to address her verses to her king, to the Lord himself. 
The psalm for the day is eight verses of Psalm 89. Yeah. Beautiful words. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. And again, David is really big in the psalm. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I will make a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies could be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all those who are around him? And this is the verse that's the antiphon, the key verse. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. A stress on God's omnipotence, which is in the servant's of his keeping his promises. And the mention of David makes me want to go back and make one more point on the the Old Testament reading that I, I left out, that second alternate Old Testament reading. When it talks about him, when he sins, I'll bring the rod of man on him. This has usually been taken by the church fathers as a reference to Jesus himself becoming sin for us when he bears our sin on the cross. He is the one then who bears the burden of our sin, transferring it onto himself on the cross. That's what another thing that he came in the flesh to do for us so that God would then be able to inhabit us and fill us with his own life. We have Galatians 4, 1 through 7 as our epistle reading for the second Sunday after Christmas. Beautiful words. I mean that the heir, so long as he is a child, is no different than a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, We also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. You can't hear the passage and not think about Jesus' discussion in John 8, where he talks about the slave does not have a place in the house that's permanent, but the son has a place forever. So if the son is the one who sets you free, you can be free indeed. Jesus came to free us from slavery and bring us into sonship. The slave always has to worry whether or not he's going to get the boot if he misbehaves. That's the big fear. And the son doesn't have that same sort of a concern. The son knows he belongs to the house. He's part of it. And this is what Jesus has given to us. This is why in the fullness of time, he came forth from God and was born of the blessed Virgin Mary, born under the law so that he might fulfill it perfectly for us and thus redeem those who were under the law, making us have his status as beloved son. It's at the heart of the readings for today, the good news that's being proclaimed today. The very heart of it is in the epistle today rather than the gospel, which is kind of unique. What do we find in the Alleluia verse? Alleluia returns to the same Psalm, Psalm 93. Uh, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. And uh, this always reminds me, I think every time we've done a Christmas show, you and I have 
cited that the little child so few days old has come to rifle Satan's fold. The immense power that is present in the Lord Jesus Christ because he has come among us as love, omnipotent love. And this is stronger than any force in the world. And he shows this even as a child, even as he is lying there in the manger, you are looking at almighty power in front of your eyes. It's a beautiful thought. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon, author of the book Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. You can purchase these books by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040 or on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. We'll be in Luke 2 with the Gospel reading for the first Sunday after Christmas next. week on the word of the lord endures forever we dive into colossians with word of truth redemption the forgiveness of sins preeminence of christ paul's ministry and god's mystery join me pastor will whedon for the word of the lord endures forever your daily 15 minute verse by verse bible study on demand listen at the wordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. When pastors talk about us, they say ad crucem. When laity mention us, they say ad crucem. When telemarketers call us, they say ADC Rucam. But a Luther Rose by any name will smell as sweet. Ad crucem is the place to go for greeting cards and artwork, jewellery and ornaments, housewares, church certificates, church banners and much more. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. At Risen Christ Lutheran Church in Arvada, Colorado, we have simply become captivated by the hilarious notion that God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save the losers of this world, losers just like us. We proclaim the biblical notion that God saves sinners. Embracing the historic liturgy of the church, we confess that we are just that, sinners. Visit us online at risenchristlutheran.org. Grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Augsburg Lutheran, Shawnee, Kansas. Emmanuel Lutheran, Dearborn, Michigan. Grace Lutheran, Elgin, Texas. Emmanuel Lutheran, Hamilton, Ohio. Messiah Lutheran, Lebanon, Illinois. Our Savior Lutheran, Winchester, Virginia. Redeemer Lutheran, Scottsdale, Arizona. St. John Lutheran, Ray, Michigan. St. Paul Lutheran, Parkersburg, West Virginia. And Trinity Lutheran, San Bernardino, California.
Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. That is the song of Simeon from Luke chapter 2, the Nunc Dimittis that we sing every Sunday in the divine service. We are looking forward to the first Sunday after Christmas, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We come to the gospel reading, which is Luke 2, and we can begin either at 22 or 33. Yeah, well, we'll just run through the whole thing, see if we can uh, cover it all there. 33 and following is the appointed gospel for the day. The other is just added in. A lot of churches do not get to celebrate the presentation of Jesus, the purification of Mary on February 2nd. And because of that, it might be worthwhile to add in the the gospel for that day. So, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, already, let's just sort of stop there and note that they're fulfilling the law. They're living as good, pious Jews, Mary and Joseph, and they're bringing Jesus to present him there in the temple, but they bring the offering of the poor. If you interface all of the gospels together in the infancy narratives, I think that indicates very clearly that the event with the wise men has not taken place at the time of this 40 days from the birth of Christ when the presentation would have happened. So February 2nd, if you go with a December 25th birthday, they bring the offering of the poor. They clearly could have afforded it no more. They didn't have anything else that they could rely on. That's not going to be the case when they flee to Egypt. They're going to actually come into Egypt with this wealth, which the wise men will bring them. But at this point, they are still impoverished. We read then as they're coming into the temple. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Let's stop on that and just one thought that I believe Pastor Bender shared on this passage that I thought was just really profound. He says, when we read this, we have a tendency to all of a sudden become shvemerai, to think about the Holy Spirit speaking in the heart of Simeon directly. He says, it could very well be that this had been revealed to Simeon. He, he might have been a man near death, but he knew that he wasn't going to die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ because maybe he heard 
from the shepherds who noised about throughout all that country the tidings that they had heard about the child, that the child had been born. The Savior had been born. This is Christ the Lord, the Savior. He is born to you in the city of David. And they went and they saw him and they spread the word wherever they went. So it could be that he, having caught wind of that, knows, hmm, I know where I can find them now. I know where they'll be. It's been 40 days since that happened. So he comes to the temple. It's just a fascinating thought. It's speculation on Pastor Bender's part, but I really like the speculation and find it to be uh, kind of profound. He comes in the spirit into the temple when the parents bring in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, as the words of the Noctimidus, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. So I can't read the words and not picture him actually praying them to the child, like, Lord, looking him in the face, now you're letting me go in peace because I've seen your salvation. It's right here. You've come in the flesh and you've come to bring revelation to the Gentiles, to bring them into the light of God's truth. And you've also come to be the very glory of your own people, the people of Israel. Jesus is the pride and joy of the Jewish nation. He's the gift that they were longing for and praying for all along. Now we get to the part of the reading that's actually prescribed for today. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Luther sort of puts a pause there and goes, wait a minute, father and mother? He says, hey, don't get upset. That's just normal, common way of talking. That's how he would have been regarded. You don't always go around and say, I'm the foster father. I'm the, the father of an adopted child or whatever. You always simply just identify yourself as the father. So the father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Just stop at that point again and note, it's a strange blessing to look at the, 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 the virgin mother and say to her, this child's appointed for many in Israel to fall, but also for many in Israel to rise up. And he is going to be a sign that is opposed. People are going to be speaking against him. That he calls him a sign ties you right back to Isaiah 7 and the promise that the Lord's going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a child and will call his name Emmanuel. So he's going to be a sign that's going to be spoken against. And certainly the name of Jesus has been spoken against from the time that he walked the earth and he continues to be ridiculed and made fun of to this day. Just so, so, so shameful. It is the only name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And when he prophesies that a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Probably they're a reference to what Mary would experience as she would, in later years, stand beneath the foot of her son's cross and watch the light die in his eyes. And, you know, as a parent, you would do anything you can to eliminate the, the sufferings of your child. You don't want them to go through that. And yet she has to sit there and watch as he becomes sin under the judgment of the Father and bears the sin of the world to death, she will watch that and watch him die. And that is the hardest thing for any parent ever, ever to be able to do. This is the sword that pierces her soul. And also we learn 
continuing in the passage. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, probably listening to what Simeon had said, and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So these two aged saints, both Simeon and Anna, though they may be old, they spend the last of their days proclaiming the glory and honor of Jesus Christ to the people around them, speaking to any who would give listen to their words of the redemption that this child is going to bring, the redemption of Jerusalem or the redemption of Israel, which he will bring, and which is actually a redemption for the Gentiles too, as Simeon made it clear. Luke doesn't give you any kind of indication about the trip down to Egypt, fleeing from King Herod. None of that is, is indicated. He just, at this point in his narrative, he just wants to get you back up to the, you know, where he's going to pick up the story next. So he has Jesus returning to Nazareth. All the Gospels agree that Jesus does return to Nazareth, and from that place he's called the Nazarene. But Matthew has that added journey on the side. These uh, kind of post-Christmas accounts, you said this is about the why. So return to that, a sword shall pierce your own soul, and explain a little bit how we're getting the why of Jesus' incarnation here in the first Sunday. Yeah, he has come to die. We, I mean, you, there's no way to, to miss that in the church's proclamation and celebration of Christmas. The little one takes on flesh and blood so that he can endure death and by enduring it, destroy it. He comes so that he can, by pouring out his blood, blot out the accusation of the law against the sin of God's people. And so this is what he's coming to do. The sword that will pierce through Mary's soul is as she gets to watch him do that. She will watch the great price that he's going to pay. There's a tradition in the church that what she was spared, perhaps in childbirth, as she gave birth to Christ, there was a belief that maybe she didn't have the same labor pains that women normally have because of the sinless nature of her son. But if she was spared it there, she certainly got it in spades at the cross. So the labor pains came there where God is giving birth to a brand new people and he's going to give us the ability to be born again. We actually sing this in a couple weeks, but um, from God the Father, virgin born, to us the only Son came down by death, the font to consecrate, the faithful to regenerate. Why did he come among us? So that baptism could deliver to us what his death won for us, and we then could share in his nature as being sons of God, we by grace, he by nature. So Simeon may not know entirely the circumstances that he is predicting, but he is predicting the cross of Jesus here. Yeah, I don't think he probably, well, I mean, I don't know. What does a prophet see? Whatever he saw, he clearly saw that it was going to be pain for that young mother in front of him, and he foretells that. We only get a little glimpse of this in this first Sunday, but we are singing Simeon's song as Christians constantly, aren't we? Right. Many Christians sing it at the end of the day, right? In Compline, it sort of wraps up your day. So before you go to sleep, it's the church's late, now I lay me down to sleep song. 
But also, we sing it as Lutherans right after we've received the sacrament of the altar. We've received the very body and blood that Simeon held in his arms that day and sang to. We have received them into us. Here's the fulfillment of why Christ came among us, so that he might live in us, that his life, his divine life could be given into us. And so we sing Simeon's words, okay, Lord, we can die now. It's good. We're ready to go. Anytime we are ready to go. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. The first Sunday after Christmas, we will talk about the hymn of the day, Let All Together Praise Our God, next. Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, LutheranPublicRadio.org. You're personally invited to join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in celebrating the theme, Just As I Am, January 14th through the 20th during Life Week 2024. Each theme day will explore a distinct aspect of life ministry through local activities, online educational events, interviews, and more. Find out more at lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His Office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. CUChicago.edu. A mobile Lutheran Bible study. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church.
Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. He started a new study earlier this week on the book of Colossians. You can listen to it and his previous studies on the four Gospels, Revelation, Genesis, Romans, and more at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Will, what would you say about the hymn of the day for this coming Sunday? Let all together praise our God. That is such a great text, LSB 389 by Nicholas Hausman. And let me read through it, and I want to stop at one verse and, and talk about that in particular. So, let all together praise our God before his glorious throne. Today he opens heaven again to give us his own son. He leaves his heavenly father's throne is born an infant small, and in a manger poor and lone lies in a humble stall. Within an earthborn form, he hides his all-creating light. To serve us all, he humbly cloaks the splendor of his might. And this is the verse I especially want us to focus on. It's translated in LSB with, he undertakes a great exchange, puts on our human frame, and in return, gives us his realm, his glory, and his name. Now, my friend John Stevenson, prof up there in St. Catharines, he pointed out that that's a really kind of weak translation of what the German has. So if we read literally what the German has, listen to these words. He exchanges with us wondrously. Our flesh and blood he takes on, and delivers to us in his Father's kingdom the luminous divinity thereof. He shares the divine Godhead with us because he comes and brings that Godhead into our flesh. And in the Father's kingdom, we will see that, that that's what he came to deliver us. And then that's what the rest of the hymn is unpacking. He's a servant, I a Lord. How great a mystery! How strong the tender Christ child's love. No truer friend than he. He's the key and he the door to blessed paradise. The angel bars the way no more. To God our praises. That's so powerful. You're right back there in Genesis where Adam and Eve are shown the gate to paradise and the angel has the sword turning every which way, guarding the way to the tree of life. Well, not anymore. Not anymore, not when he brings divinity down into our flesh. Everything is now changed. He's the door that opens paradise for us. He's the key that opens the door. Then the final proclamation of the hymn, your grace in lowliness revealed, Lord Jesus, we adore and praise to God the Father yield and spirit evermore. We praise you evermore. It's just one of the truly great hymns. It's so easy to sing. It's almost like a children's song, and yet it's deep. It's so deep. I wish we could have gotten that German stuff translated a little better on the great exchange. That's really profound. On the great exchange, that thought. Can I share a little bit of Luther on that? Absolutely. Okay. He says, who then can value highly enough these royal nuptials? Who can comprehend the riches of the glory of this grace? Christ, that rich and pious husband, takes as a wife a needy and impious harlot, redeeming her from all evils, supplying her with all his good things. It's impossible now that her sins should destroy her, 
since they've been laid upon Christ and swallowed up in him. And since she has in her husband Christ a righteousness which she may claim as her own and which she can set up with confidence against all her sins, against death and hell, saying, If I sinned, my Christ, in whom I believed, has not sinned. All mine is his, and all his is mine. As it is written, My beloved is mine, and I am his. In the Song of Songs 2.16. This is what Paul says. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over sin, victory over death. As he says, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. As Christ, by his birthright, has obtained these two dignities, so he imparts and communicates them to every believer in him under the law of matrimony of which we have spoken above, by which all that is the husband's is also the wife's. Hence, all we who believe in Christ are kings and priests in Christ as it is said, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This great exchange, which is at the heart of what Christ comes into the flesh to do. And that's what we're really celebrating on the Sunday after Christmas. We have precious few Sundays to dip into the Christmas hymns, although some pastors continue them through Epiphany which gives you extra weeks to do that. But if you were sitting down to plan it, what other hymns would you say we need to be singing on the first Sunday after Christmas? Well, you might have already sung it on Christmas, but it's one of those hymns that I don't think you can sing enough. And that is, Of the Father's Love Begotten. Because it also stresses this, that in that birth forever blessed, when the Virgin full of grace by the Holy Ghost conceiving bore the Savior of our race, and that babe, the world's Redeemer, first revealed his sacred face evermore and evermore. You're looking at God becoming flesh for you, and you're realizing all of this so that I can have a place in his home forever. And him celebrates it so beautifully, so wonderfully. I would encourage that. And if on Christmas you did not sing Luther's We Praise You, Jesus, at Your Birth, that is another one that is a sort of must-sing that, again, is standing in front of the mystery. You're looking at the child, and you're realizing, this baby created the world. He gives the birds their food. He clothes the world with whatever food there is. He's the giver of all things. And here he is, a little baby. He can't even lift his head on his own. This is the joy that Christmas brings us. And celebrating it out throughout the entire 12 days of Christmas is, is a great idea. Why was Luther so keen on Christmas? He probably writes more, probably is more enthusiastic about Christmas as a season, as a celebration, than any other day that the church marks on its liturgical calendar except that of Easter. Yeah, I think that the key is Luther had the heart of a poet and the heart of a man who could who'd look at this great mystery and be moved to awe. And he just can't stop marveling at what he sees when he sees the great mystery of Christ. And, you know, I would like to share just a handful of his quotes from his sermon for this day. He says, it's a secret work of God that the Virgin Mary became pregnant, which Joseph himself came to believe after the angel revealed this to him in a dream, else he would not have known, just as we do not know, but must believe because the scripture teaches and the Christian faith professes that the mother of God is a virgin. One should note this well and not take offense that Luke states here that the father was amazed. He speaks according to the common conception of the people, like Moses did when he spoke of his foster father as father and the people in general did of this child. But what do you make of this? Did his parents sin and do wrong because they marveled at what Jesus said? For it almost seems as though their astonishment was a sign of unbelief. The answer is no. 
the fact is their marveling is a sign and token of the very great faith and profound understanding they have. Just as Abraham, in pure and strong faith, laughed for joy, Mary and Joseph marveled, not from unbelief, but with mighty faith and with uncommon understanding. That is the unique nature of faith. And the firmer one believes, the more one marvels, the happier one is. In contrast, where faith is absent, there's neither joy nor enthusiasm. Luther sort of wraps up the sermon at one point with this great line, Yes, if I had the Turkish emperor's crown, it would be nothing compared with my being baptized into an inheritance of our Lord Jesus Christ on the day of judgment. He will say to me, even as he already does, you are my dear brother. Everything that is mine is yours. You shall live with me eternally. There, Luther just encapsulates the very point and purpose of this day, this great exchange that he comes to take on what is ours in order to deliver to us everything that is his. Why does the church linger for 12 days when the world moves on instantly? The minute the presents are opened, the world has moved on to other things. Why does the church linger for 12 days? Well, in truth, it's it's maybe even we could speak of it being longer than 12 days because in a sense, the entire epiphany season, which sort of tags along behind Christmas, is just continuing to unpack the gifts. The reason the church lingers is because the gift is too big for a single celebration to encompass the whole of the mystery, to hold it up to the faithful and let them really look into it. It is something so big and so huge that it's going to take several services to actually unpack, several days to unpack. And as the church works her way through this, all really all the way up to the time of, well, the day that the first part of this reading was traditionally read, the 2nd of February, she's sort of living in the more extended period of Christmas. And I think my friend Lee Maxwell told me once that in Germany, sometimes you would have Christmas trees actually continue and, and the manger scene continue up in church through February 2nd. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He is author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. He hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, thanks. Hey, thank you, Todd. Folks, we have three days left in 2023, and if you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. this year, please make a year-end tax-deductible contribution Any size gift is deeply appreciated. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org, or you can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for listening, and thanks for including the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. in your year-end giving. Up next, Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, will lead us in a study of the favorite Christmas hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It contains that prayer, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. 
our mailing address, issues, etc. P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. This is Pastor Tyler Arnold of Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri. The Saints at Village are proud to be an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. If you are in the St. Louis area, join us for the Divine Service at 8.15 or 10.45 a.m., Bible study and Sunday school at 9.30 a.m. as we receive Christ's promise of salvation and forgiveness through word and sacrament. You can find us at villagelutheranchurch.org. Village Lutheran in St. Louis welcomes you. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.